Welcome to Fires and Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming to me via live, via live Skype is Roy. Live through the wonders of the internet. Uh, dude. How nope. you doing, Donovan? Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Strange who, things. Who knew? Well, before we get to that, what are we going to do today, Bray? Well, Pinky. Well, Roy, we're going to talk about the ballpark guidelines. We're going to go over the international signing, uh, and we're going to talk about the seven prospects that the Padres still have in the Baseball America's Top 100, which still, we got, we only lost one. And out of all this this trading away of really bleeding our podcast, um, really, uh, of, of guys to talk about, um, we still have seven prospects in the Top 100 for Baseball America. And that yeah, is... Yeah, it's amazing. It, it's amazing. It's also the most of any other major league team. Right. They've ripped my heart out with a few of these trades, but I, I like each of them. But speaking of trades, something big happened on the major league side, which does have a minor league impact. The Padres traded Hudson Head, Omar Cruz, David Bednar, and Drake Fellows to the Pirates, and Joey Lucchese went to the Mets to bring back Joe Musgrove. What's you know, your opinion on that? You know, I, I, I often wonder, do they listen to our podcast and go like, okay, that yeah, that kid sounds pretty. Do other teams, just like, just like Preller take our podcast and go, all right, so just li- listen to this from our pod, this podcast these guys do. And because we've talked to, you know, Luis Patino, Hudson Head, um, you know, uh, Blake Hunt has been on several times. Um, but they just keep trading away guys that, that we've had on the podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, though, it's, uh, it, it's quite a ball club we've got. And we can we can just dedicate the whole podcast to the major league team, and that's why we picked the song "Strange Days" because it's just as a Padre fan, I've never seen a team so stacked. Now they have to go. It's, out, yeah, go ahead. it's it's remarkable. And so I didn't know a whole lot about Joe Musgrove before this trade. I knew that he was a pitcher. He was he grew up in San Diego, uh, pitched for the Pirates. He's been you know he's been hot and cold a little bit, but since the trade. All the stuff that I've seen on Twitter, the the uh, the video clips and stuff that I've seen, I'm I'm a fan of this guy already. He wrote a letter, a handwritten letter that he posted on Instagram on and on social media to the fans and the people of Pittsburgh, and it was one of the most heartfelt, thoughtful farewell letters that I've seen. He uses local references. He's speaking their language. It's clear that he made a connection with the people of Pittsburgh, and the people in that clubhouse loved him. Um, so I, I see some back and forth with Trevor Williams, who is right now a free agent. I, he's also a San Diego and I'd love to see the Padres bring him on like on a minor league deal, maybe wink, wink, Mr. Preller, if you're listening. Uh, but I mean, the guys on the way up yes, last year, his stuff ticked up. There was an yeah. adjustment in his delivery and all of a sudden his curveballs got extra bite. He's always had a really good slider. And there's a lot to love on the field, but it sounds like there's even more to love off the field with this guy. Well, and that's kind of the thing, though. The, the local boy makes good and comes home. And if you listen to him on Ben and Woods, if you've listened to any of the, you know, the interviews that Mud did with him last year or the year before, um, personable, likable, and, and that's kind of the chemistry. Other than the skill set, you know, the, the chemistry. Talk People talk about the chemistry of a team and an easygoing guy like that that you know could probably show some of the uh the current padres some really good places to eat here in san oh, for sure. diego um yeah the guy is a san diego padres fan to yeah. the core too they used to have season tickets in right field yeah. and he said mark Kotze tossed him a ball one time and that was like one of the big moments of his life and jake peavy was his favorite pitcher growing yeah. up i mean they, this isn't like adrian gonzalez like okay you grew up in san diego but you were a dodger fan all your life now you're just kind of putting on the padres hat no this guy is legitimately excited to come home yeah. and play for the padres when they're as good as they've ever been he is he is stoked and i'm so glad that he's on our side you know, and, and as a uh, as a number of God, if he's a four or five, it's just insane that maybe Chris Paddock or even um, Musgrove would be the fifth starter when yeah. when last year he was you know obviously the, the Pittsburgh is in rebuild mode and you know just kind of trading away guys and he was the, their opening day starter. But I mean we've had some pretty weak opening day starters fairly recently, um, so we're really excited about that. But we hate now let's talk it. about the guys that they traded away, yeah. right? Hudson Head. So go ahead. Hudson Head, he's he's got the potential to be a five-tool outfielder. 
He's got the speed. He's got the hit tool. Um, he can go get it in center field. People seem to believe in a developing power that he's starting to, I mean, the kid's only 19 years old, right. but he's got the frame that he can put on a little bit of pop. Um, so an athletic center fielder, but the thing with, with, all of the minor league guys that they sent away is that none of them were going to contribute in the next couple of years. They're all a couple of years away hit between head Cruz and fellows. So Omar Cruz, he's a left-handed pitcher. He was in Fort Wayne in 2019. Um, interesting guy, possibly yeah. a, a starting pro a starting pitcher, like low nineties fastball Drake fellows drafted him out of Vanderbilt. Um, the interesting dude coming out of college. He didn't play his draft year. So we still haven't seen a look at him. Um, don't know what to think. He's got a big fastball. He's got a slider, but who knows? He's a big question mark. Um, and then the other two guys, David Bednar and Joey Lucchese, we've become familiar with them. Yeah. And Bednar's a believer. I'd like to think that Bednar's got a little Kirby Yates in him. Yeah. He's got curveball, a splitter that he learned from Hideo Nomo, a uh, fastball that sits in the mid-90s. Um, and so if he can locate a little bit better, he could be a lockdown reliever. And then Lucchese was the team's most reliable starting pitcher for two years. Yeah. And last year he just kind of fell off and don't know what was off. Um, but it didn't seem like he was going to get a, a fair shake at an opportunity this year. I figured he was going to be on the outside looking in sent to triple a or the alternate camp or whatever they wind up doing this year. You know, and he doesn't have to be a starter for the Mets. He can go there, be a long reliever, uh, you know, innings eater in the middle of the bullpen and work his way, you know, find himself again, and then work his way into a, a, a you know, sustained role. For sure. But you hate to see the Chervy go. You know, he's a fan favorite. But here's the thing yeah. that we keep saying about these guys is, you know, the, the Solartes of the world, and now the Joey Lucchese is like, we love those guys that, you know, they just made the big leagues out of pure force of personality and good luck. And mm -hmm. so, as a Padre fan, I feel we always grab onto those guys and just don't want to let them go because we just want to see them do so much better. You know, we just want to see them succeed. When this is a major league, this is a World Series deep in the playoffs. This is a championship caliber team. And we have to start, you know, getting the mindset to, if you, you know, if we don't see a future in you making a significant impact on this team, you know, your days are numbered. And so right. I thought when he got sent down uh, to the alternate site last year was when, like, okay, I don't think we'll ever see Lucchese back up here again. His last couple starts were just were just so poor. And it seemed like guys have, you know, kind of caught up with the uh, with the funky delivery and, the, you know, the low 90s fastball. Uh, mm -hmm. So you hate to see those guys go, but, you know, we got Joe Musgrove, Grossmont, uh, Grossmont foot healers. He's a healer. Uh, I went to Oklahoma Valley High School. We He's in the Grossmont School District. We played there, uh, you know, that, that was the rich kids team. Well, Oklahoma Valley is the is like the poor man's high school, surrounded by Valhalla, Granite Hills, and you know the, the surrounding areas where there's homes and not tons of apartments. But yeah, local boy done well. I know Bernie Wilson is glad to have another uh, another East, East County boy. <laughs> so I was talking to somebody earlier today. I was having a debate. There was a discussion going on, and they were talking about, do the Padres go after Nelson Cruz? Do they go after Jurix and Profar? And they're talking about like protection in the batting order. And I'm thinking back to when we were hoping that Jed Jerko would protect Chase Headley in the batting <laughs> order. And then it's like, one good hitter, a couple of decent hitters, and a bunch of scrubs. And now we're having red-faced arguments about the yeah. 26th man on the roster yeah. and, and who gets squeezed off the 40-man because there just isn't room for oh, Jorge Mateo or uh, Javier Guerra. It, it's a whole different world now yeah. than it was even two years ago. Well, you know, and it's funny that they mentioned that the MLB had said there's going to be, you know, the seven-inning doubleheaders. There's going to be what, what was the other rule that they're going to have the runner on second, the runner on second runner and extra second. innings. So I, you have to think that you know they have to run it through the uh, union, players' union. But you would have to think they uh, that the DH is going to stay. But you know I, they didn't announce it, so maybe those are just the two rules that okay, those are easy to get through Congress, more or less. You know through through the union, the DH is a little bit of a whole different ball game. It's a negotiating chip. I that's that's what I keep thinking is that. It's something that the players want because it gets more veteran players in the game. Yeah. Guys like Nelson Cruz, who he hasn't put on a fielder's glove in two years. I looked up he, 2017 was the last time he logged any innings in at a position. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, but then he's probably going to make $20 million this year if, if he can find a job as a DH. So then that opens up 15 more jobs 
in the National League for veteran DHs. So I think that they're just holding it as a as a bargaining chip, uh, maybe to get a, a different share of the playoff revenue or to you know some other concession that they're trying to get back from the Players Association. I don't see how you can have the pitchers not hit for a year and then put the back back in their hands. It, it just it, does, it doesn't make sense. It, it does seem silly, and I think they might. And we can look at it this way also is. We, you know, and we're going to talk about this here in a minute with the uh, the guidelines that MLB has put out for uh, for stand for people in the stands. You know, they might if it's going to be a full season, maybe they will have the pitchers hit. You know, if it's going to be a shortened season, if if COVID, if the vaccinations don't get put out enough, you know, where there's a where there may be a delay in the season, that maybe they had that is that bargaining chip that they can use. But it would be a, I don't know if we can afford twenty million, but it's not my money. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's not my money. That's absolutely. No, but what I, what I'm thinking is so they were in talks with Tanaka and it sounds or no, it was a Sugano, the the Japanese pitcher that wound up signing and it sounds like they had that money available. So now you just bring in Joe Musgrove, you send away two guys who are going to make the league minimum. Musgrove's making 4.4. So you got to figure there's another 5 or 6 million dollars available minimum for them to make yeah. one more, one or two more signings. You know, you talk about Profar, Trevor Rosenthal still out there. Kirby Yates just signed with the Blue Jays, so best wishes to him. I, He's been such a fantastic presence in yeah. San Diego on and off the field. Uh, you got to figure there's one, one more move coming maybe uh, on top of all the minor league stuff. They've got a whole AAA roster to fill out, and I'm, I'm curious to see because there's so many guys out there just looking for work. Yeah. And I think that's, I think all organizations are like, we have, that's last minute, just going to sign those guys 15 at a time. Um, right. It, it's, it, God, I just had a thought in my head. It, it, it's, God. Yeah, we haven't seen I many of the uh, minor league contracts with an invite to spring training. I've only seen a couple of those signings so far. And usually there's, seems like there's like 10 or 12 of them every year that they, that they wind up handing out. Yeah. Also, also, you have to have that flexibility, the financial flexibility and player flexibility for uh, picking the bones off teams that aren't going to make the playoffs during the trade deadline. You know, have that financial flexibility right. to add a, a bat or maybe add a, a closer. We don't have a, you know, we have potential closers, but we don't have a bona fide several closing, you know, several um, saves under his belt other than Pomeranz. But I liked him in the seventh and eighth inning role. I liked him in those high leverage entering roles. And then he, you have your you have your closer. That's just what I think. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Pagan looks like when he starts up. It sounds like he was fighting through an injury most of last season, and yeah. at the very end of the season, he was nails. But I, you know, Trevor Rosenthal sure does love the Mexican food, and uh, he seemed awfully comfortable here in San Diego. So I'm holding out hope that he comes back home. He signed a minor league deal with the Yanks. He's going to eat Puerto Rican food. There it is. What? Yeah, he signed a minor league deal. I, well. Ah, that was a whole blow up on Twitter. God, I, I took that hook, line, sinker. Somebody, somebody threw that rumor out that he signed a minor league deal with the Yankees. Yeah, and I just, I just, oh god, just we'll have to edit that part out. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Let's, uh, let's move on. Forget that just happened. Um, so, all right, and, so on to the MLB yeah. guidelines for spring training. Go ahead, take us through it. Well, in, in a memo issued to teams, Manfred, this came from Ball, uh, Ballpark Digest. In a memo issued to teams, Manfred laid out the minimum requirements from his office for hosting fans, provided local health guidelines allow it. Fans will be seated in pods six feet apart, and the ballpark entrances will be opened on a scheduled basis. Masks will be required, and spring training season ticket holders will be given first access to tickets. As of now, only a few teams are selling and processing season tickets, and no ballpark has put single-game tickets on sale. Fans will not be allowed to view workouts unless they are held in the ballpark. That's no backfields for us, so I'm not even sure if we'll go. Um, a mandated six-feet buffer between players and the fans saves the area around the dugouts where there will be at least a 12-foot buffer between fans and players. So, like, the first three rows of the stadium, of, of the bowl, are, are going to be just not – they won't be taken out, but they'll be, they'll be, you know, they'll be taken away for, for people. MO will not mandate proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test. And, of course, the best laid plans may be altered based on circumstances. Is if things continue to go, you know – Cases continue to spike in Arizona and Florida, and things just get out of control before the vaccine can really kind of get things under control. Then it could all just be changed in a, in a minute. Right, it's all a very fluid situation. Yeah, but it looks like there's going to be people in seats. Right, 
Um, I, I did see that there's concern that so Canada is being more restrictive than the USA is about allowing uh, allowing attendance and gatherings and that kind of thing. So I saw today that there's a chance that the Blue Jays might start their season playing big league games at their Dunedin facility in Florida. Really? I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because their AAA team is in Buffalo, Buffalo yeah. so they can't play in Buffalo. You can't it, logistically, I guess that's just too tricky. Uh, so I'm we have we already reserved a hotel. We were, you know, back in like November when this when the when the spring training schedule came out, we said, you know what, let's go ahead and book a, a room now while the before the rates go up. And we keep hanging on to it, but I don't see the point. If we can't go yeah. on the backfields, there's no for me, that's that's the best part of spring training. Watching yeah. the guys work out, yeah. watch the scrimmages, you just Seeing a, just the interactions between everybody, yeah. I like that even more than going to the actual games. Yeah, absolutely. So if we're not allowed to do that, then, uh, man, that stinks. It's a tough it's a tough sell for me, exactly. And I think for, for spring break, we're going to go back to Connecticut anyway. So I think we're just going to skip spring training, and, and rightfully so, that, that's fine. At the, same, at the same time, the way that things have changed, it's like I'm uncomfortable being around a lot of people anyway. Yeah. yeah. yeah if I go to the store and it's too crowded, I don't feel you get in, get out. <laughs> and, and so I don't know if I would feel right about going out to that. Now, when the season rolls around, there was an interview with Eric Gruppner in the uh, Union Tribune, and it sounded like there's a good chance that season ticket holders are going to be able to attend games. Uh, I don't know if it'd be right away at the beginning of the season, right. but at least at some point, there's something like 11,000 uh, members that have a partial or a full season ticket. And that fits right about with the um the with the capacity the right right yeah uh so we'll see how that goes and i'll probably still be weird about it. it's just gonna seem weird and i see pictures yeah. from you know normal ball games where we're all sitting and our knees are touching each other and you can smell the the hot dog of somebody's eating three rows back <laughs> and it's just it just seems so foreign after this year we've gotten through well and you know, it's funny. I just tested again today. So, and I, I can get at my work, I can get tested often. I got tested this morning. In fact, as we're speaking, my little, my chart thing came out, which probably has my, uh, which probably has my results of my test, which is more than likely going to be negative, but that still doesn't, you know, I, I can't get tested four days into a, into a spring training trip to just to make sure. And you're right. I don't, you want to trust other people, but you don't. And even, the, even the best laid, the people that were the most, you know, strict with how they dealt with their lives in this in this still got it you know they did everything oh, correctly yeah. and still got sick and so mm -hmm. you're right since we you know it's not going to be backfields for us we probably won't go well you know the vaccine if i can get the vaccine and then we see some data that shows that the vaccine is actively working that'll give me a little bit more confidence um i saw dr fauci say something about that if the rollout happens the you know, as like a best case scenario, there's a chance that we could see something that's more like normalcy by fall. Yeah. So I guess all we can do is cross our fingers and, mm -hmm. but in the meantime, cancel our spring training trips. <laughs> one, um, one and as we year. noted last time that there's, there's staggering spring training. So it's going to be the, like the major league and the alternate site guys yeah. first. And then after they leave, then the minor league guys are going to come in and do their thing. It's, it's just, you know, to quote the departed Joey Lucchese, life's different. It is different. So Rob Manfred said, but MLB's policies ultimately will depend on the public health situation in the United States, which is difficult to predict this far in advance of the season, in particular, the current uncertainty surrounding COVID-19 vaccine production and distribution rates is preventing our experts from making predictions, you know, about the spring training in the summer with, with specificity. They can't be specific. These are just guidelines. So this year's Players Union is adamant about playing a full season or at least paid for one. And Manfred doesn't have the unilateral authority to shorten the season, despite throwing up some trial balloons regarding a 150 game campaign with the season launch pushed back to May. Players are scheduled to report it's, uh, God, within a month, a month from now. Yeah. Yeah. A late February. These guidelines do not apply to minor league baseball, though. Teams seem to warn that fan safety guidelines will be issued down the road. Like, and that's a different thing because... The guidelines might be different in, say, South Carolina than they are in Texas, and they might be different in Texas than they are in California, which could be good and bad depending on you know the guidelines, depending on the administration of the uh, of the county or even the state. 
Right. And from a player safety standpoint, there's more money in Major League Baseball. They yeah. can afford to push the testing to have these guys tested daily or a couple times a week, yeah. even once a week, where if you do that among four different minor league affiliates, there's a lot of money involved. Yeah. You know, so there's it's a dollars and cents kind of a thing. And that's that stinks because we we want to see baseball again this year, even if fans aren't allowed to attend. I want to see the minor leaguers out there playing rather than you know, throwing off home built uh, mounds in their backyard. Right. Well, and nothing for nothing. I just saw on Twitter. Was it yesterday that the uh, the newly uh, newly well the potential single A affiliate of the San Diego Padres, Lake Elsinore Storm, put out a tweet looking for employment. Oh, we're looking for job. We're advertising for jobs. So Good. they are treating it like they are going to be a full season affiliate and. There's going to be a season, so they need those people in place, including like a like a communications director guy. Uh, so yeah, you know, they, so they're definitely they need a play by play guy. Yeah, they do. I, I heard that Sean McCall was let go after the end of the uh, the last storm season, and I'm still holding out hope that they pick him back up. Um, I don't know if you've had a much much experience around Sean McCall, but the guy's got more energy and more passion for the game than just about anybody you're going to come across. Oh. So anybody would be lucky to pick him up. I, well, I like what I like about him is like he's like well, umpire. Where was that? Where was that strike? You know. Uh-huh. Um, I like how we can get kind of chirpy on the on the broadcast. But let's oh, move, for sure. But let's move on. So it wasn't J two as in June second, but it was January fourteenth. I think for fourteenth or fifteenth was the international signing day due to COVID. It was pushed back June, July, August, September. Six, eight months. Jesus. Um, but that just happened this last week. And the Padres did really, you know, the Padres seem to have done really well. Uh, this came from the East Village Times. So the short, so the top pick for the Padres was a shortstop out of the Dominican Republic, um, Victor Acosta, signed for one point eight million dollars. The crown jewel of San Diego's international free agent class, Acosta ranked at number twenty one on Baseball America's top fifty prospects list, as well as number nineteen on MLB top thirties. Uh, listed as a shortstop and standing at 5'11", the 16-year-old is a switch hitter with good bat speed and bat-to-ball skills, with evaluators projecting a top-of-the-order hitter. Sounds kind of like Reggie Preciado that just got traded to the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, although I think Preciado's a little bit taller. Yeah, he's well, he's grown to like 6'3", but he's also 20 years old now. You know, so a 16-year-old, that's one thing that blows my mind yeah. is that they're looking at kids that are 12, 13, 14 years old, and and they have an idea on what kind of a body they're going to have when they're 24, 25. I, I don't know how they do that. Well, and I, and I think and this is kind of always held, and it's just been my idea that I heard a long, 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 long time ago, was we sign these kids so young because most of the time in, in their home countries, you know, they're, yeah, they go to academies, but it's the diet. It's it's the nutrition. It's the getting is getting being able to mold a 16 year old potential major league player from the very beginning when he starts to grow at 16, all the way through you know his his time in the minor leagues and potential major leagues. So I think a lot of this has to do with getting him on a diet, getting him in a workout plan. You know, getting that development started early um, when all that stuff would happen in high school. Like he's 16 years old. Well, I was a junior in high school at 16, but you know, 16 you're a sophomore, freshman, or sophomore. A lot of times. Um, I hadn't even hit my growth spurt at that point. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I really I really peaked at 16, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been downhill ever Play since. God huh? dang it, I peaked at Pony. Um, the next signing was uh, outfielder Samuel Zavala from Venezuela, $1.2 At 16 years old, Zavala is one of the younger members of the class. However, the Venezuelan native is still hailed as one of the top pure hitters of the 2020 class. A lot of outfielders here. Outfield Daniel Montesino from Venezuela signed for a million dollars. Like Zavala, Montesino is another outfielder that has been hailed as the top left-handed hitters of the class. Baseball America ranks Montesino slightly lower than Zavala at number 42 overall, but the six foot three, 200-pounder hitting profile from the from the left side. Kind of gives you a, a Tirso Ornelas kind of look. But it's, now, when, when they signed Tirso, they he was going to be a monster. Yeah. And when I first saw him at like age, whatever, 18 on the backfields, I mean, the, the dude is a physical specimen. Yeah. And what you can't project is how is the tool going to gonna translate, develop. right? Yeah. Well, and it has so far with him, but at 6'3", at 16 years old, there's still some growth there. You yeah. Know, I hope he doesn't. Well, <laughs> I'm sure he would end up into a corner outfield spot if he's going to be 6'3 and 
I don't know, two two twenty five, two thirty. He can only add a, you know, maybe twenty or thirty pounds, and that's it. Any heavier, uh, who knows? Any heavier than he's uh, whew, we'll we'll see how that goes. Anyways, right-handed pitcher Victor Lazaraga from Mexico, Baseball America lists Lazaraga as the number thirty four overall prospect. He has recently fallen out of the MLB's top thirty due to a sheer number of prospects available. Lazaraga is listed as 6'4 and is armed with a fastball that has been clocked at as high as 93 miles an hour. He's projected to throw the pitch with more heat as he gets older and puts on more weight. He balances out his fastball with a curveball that can miss bats alongside a changeup. So three pitches already for a right-hander at 16 years old is a, is a great start. And here's one of the things that I kind of noticed about this year is a lot of the times on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, they, they were, you know, you saw them tweet or you saw them tag their academy with along with you know along with the signing so they would think this so-and-so academy are this uh instructor so i you know you'd see the pictures of it but this time i noticed how many times you know there was a picture of the hat of the of the academy that they went to that they went up to what were those guys called but the buscones buscones yeah for these buscones uh academy so i thought that was really interesting so uh lizarraga was actually born in cuba I'm, now I'm curious what his backstory is, how he wound up leaving Cuba to get to Mexico uh, to, to pursue a professional baseball career. Interesting. That is interesting. Uh, we do have a Cuban down here a little bit farther down. Moving on, right-handed pitcher, say that, Bradley? Bradley? I, be, I believe it's Bradley. Bradley Rodriguez from Colombia, signed for 370000 Rodriguez is a 5'11", 150 pounds with a live arm with a fastball that can be as high as 93. Uh, now, what gets me with a lot of these guys, with him, there's nothing out there. There was some video that somebody had on a on a dirt lot, and most of these guys, there's some kind of a scouting report where Ben Badler from Baseball America or right. somebody laid eyes on him and wrote a quick little paragraph. With Bradley Rodriguez, there wasn't anything. Um, and yet here they're throwing you know $370,000 at him, and he's already throwing 93 miles an hour. I can't even find how old this guy is. He's got to be, I'm sure he's 16, but they are, you know, in, in the little quib from the East Village Times, uh, it gave up, you know, the Louis Patino comp, obviously from Columbia, 5'11", throws 93, you know, that young and that small. So um, they gave him a, uh, and, and if you saw the video, he does have that high leg kick similar to Louis Patino. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so with most players, when you look them up on Baseball America, it'll say born and their date in city country and with him it just says born in venezuela ah <laughs> so they know they got nothing on him i just i think that's I got it's, it's amazing i got columbia i i'm probably wrong here but i had columbia down here anyways moving on the right-handed pitcher evan sweeting from the bahamas which is a weird place that you, you know not arsatuba are not not um carousel but from the bahamas the only left-handed pitcher signed so far by the Padres, sitting at 89-92 with his fastball. The Padres believe the native of Havana, Cuba, can become a starting pitcher in the near future, which I thought was oh, really you, interesting. You jumped, you jumped down to I Javier Chacon. Totally but jumped. I, so Evan Sweeting, I saw the picture that somebody tweeted out, and Evan Sweeting is a Caucasian kid. Yeah. And you, when you think of Bahamas, there's usually black Latin people yeah. and I, I went on a trip to the bahamas once upon a time and that's what the population the native population there is is black latin people yeah, absolutely you don't see a lot of native caucasians anyway i just thought that was interesting very interesting well what i saw on his twitter line was him throwing a bullpen and you know being proud of god it went something to the effect of like reached 89 or reached 88 are back to 88. So like it sounded like it was coming back from an injury. Okay. On on the on just on his Twitter handle. I just wanted to throw that out there. So um Well, and he's been stateside for a while. He was working out in in Texas for a while. Okay. So, so I it's just I'm I'm really curious about these guys' paths, how they wind up getting here. So Sweeting is a three-pitch mix with a fastball that tops out at 91, a curveball that sits 75 to 78 and a changeup that ranges from 78 to 80. He can locate all of them very well at projects as a reliever. <clears throat> oh, I was wrong. He's in Louisiana. There we go. <laughs> okay. So moving on to left-handed pitcher, Javier uh, Chasson. Chacon? Chacon. Chacon? Chasson. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's a hard C. I went to high school with a kid, a guy named Ray Chacon. Okay, Ray Chacon. 
Uh, he's from huh? Cuba. The only left-handed pitcher signed so far by the Padres, sitting 89-92 with his fastball. The Padres believe the native of Havana, Cuba, can become a starting pitcher in the near future. What I put down here, and I didn't write any up, was uh, right-handed pitcher Johnny Rosario from Colombia. So moving on to right-handed pitcher, a lot of a lot of pitchers, a lot of outfielders. Um, you know, usually uh, it's interesting that they went this route with these guys. Well, it's still early in the signing period, too. So this isn't just like one day when all the signings happen. It's just that's when the period opens. And so the people that they had prior arrangements, most of them sign on that day. But we're going to see signings trickle in throughout the year. Yeah. So Uriel Moreno is from Panama, $200,000 he signed for. Despite his age, Moreno possesses a powerful fastball that tops out at 91, but normally sits in the upper 80s. Has got a lot of room to grow there. Outfielder Eddie Beltre from the Dominican Republic, a 5'2 player. Beltre already has plenty of speed on both the base paths and the outfield grass. grass. However, he repeats his hitting mechanics well as he drives the ball. People seem to, to speak highly of him. So maybe he's one of the more interesting players of this group. You know, one of the when I saw Eddie Beltre on there, I follow Emmanuel Beltre. Okay. And I thought that was um, Beltre's son, Adrian Beltre's son. Well, Beltre is a pretty common name. Yeah. And uh, got, I followed this. He's like 13 years old, playing in all the big circuits here in, you know, in, in the USA. And it's just a beast. It just crushes it. At least he shows it on Instagram. Um so I'm like, when I saw Eddie Beltran, I'm like, oh, but no, it was a totally different guy. Next is Hebrew Villalobos, Villalobos, a catcher from Mexico. Villalobos has spent time with the Pro B's Mexican Prospect League, so he's got some time under his belt. Mm-hmm. And then the last two rounding this out was Johnny Rosario and Alejandro Hernandez. There's little info available about Rosario and Hernandez other than Rosario is a right-handed pitcher, Hernandez is a shortstop, and both are natives from Venezuela. Signing and bonus information has not been released. Now, uh, oftentimes the signing, the bonus information never really gets announced. Right. Yeah, and if if the player goes on to become something down the road, then you wind up finding later on that, oh, that player signed for $10,000. Uh, but it, it, the there's big... no there's no obligation for them to, yeah. for the Padres to announce that. And I think most teams had five to six million dollars around in that range, maybe as low as four million. At a hard right. cap, so there's no going over like they did in 2016. Like that's the money you spent. So with 1.8 and a million going to two players, you know that's half of your that's half of your lot. And, and you know you spread it out with 300k here, 200k there. You can still get some pretty decent prospects to uh to kind of you know, and you have to trust Preller and his his guys to bring in talent and for an organization to develop him. I have no problem with all the guys we traded. Oh yeah, and that's what that's what winning teams do. And yeah. you look at some teams, and there's a lot of homegrown talent on there. The Padres are are going to be a bit of an anomaly when they get to that point where they're talking about postseason, where most of the players that they have on the big league roster were acquired via trade or via a free agent signing. Um, there's not a whole lot of homegrown talent, but that's okay. They had to use all this prospect capital to acquire these these pieces to put this all together, and now it works, dude. You know, back in 2015, we were looking at a roster with all right-handed guys that strike out a ton and all right-handed pitchers uh, with high fly ball rates, yeah. and it didn't pan out well. Now you've got balance. You got guys that make a lot of contact. You've got some guys that are free swingers that strike out a lot. You've got speed, you've got power, you've got righties, you've got lefties, you've got positional flexibility. Uh, and then the, on the pitching staff, you've got righties and lefties, you've got hard, soft tossers that yeah. throw all kinds of junk, you've got power fastball guys. It, it, they really have put together a diverse roster, and it was thanks to all the signings that they did five, four, five, six years ago yeah. that allowed them to do it. Yeah. You know, and we, we traded both the guys that we overpaid for in the third rounds and Cole Wilcox and uh and Hudson, and Hudson Head. Head. Yeah. And, you know, and Preller just playing straight fantasy baseball, like, all right, let's do it. This is what we got. Yeah, and we that, those were two those were two drafts that they pretty much rearranged the later rounds of the draft yeah. to target those specific guys. So that says something about that the Padres really wanted them. And after spending a year and a half with Hudson Head, a half a year with Cole Wilcox, both of them were at the alternate training site all summer. Yeah. They were still willing to trade them away. So one thing that tells me about their internal evaluations, 
you have Robert Hassel III that was just drafted this year. He was also in camp. So you've got these two kids that are both center fielders that the scouts think will stick in center field because of their speed and their their you know the their reads and their routes and all that yeah. stuff. That they must hold Hassel higher than head. So you know, if there's a head-to-head matchup, you know. And so what I read was he had the best strike zone awareness, Robert Hassel the third, out of anyone in the camp. Yeah. So yeah. I think he had more. And the kids fresh out of high school. Right. How do he you had do more that? walks and strikeouts, I believe, in the alternative camp, which gave them the confidence, like, okay, we can we can let Hudson Head go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm stoked. You know, he's he's uh, God. Preller just tells us what he's doing. And it, I guess it, so. It's funny how even before the the, the trades. You know, even before the season, at the end of the season, well, he can put together a minor league system, but what about a major league roster? And so we make the playoffs in a shortened season, had a showing, but, you know, not not as good as you expected. And then just goes out and he goes, yeah, yeah, Padres Twitter, you think I can't put together a major league team? Hold my beer. Yeah. Hold my IPA, Prowler said. Here comes, here comes Snell. Here comes Darvish. Here comes Musgrove. Uh, and th- th- with multiple years, like this is going to be, we have a solid three-year window. And, and that's, oh, yeah. and that's, and that's pretty good. Most teams, you know, have, you know, I think a, a solid, maybe one, two year, maybe three-year window, but mm-hmm. we're, we're going through it with, with the players that we have. Well, actually, we know the pitching staff is a very solid three-year window to make it to the world series. And still, we have guys like Mackenzie Gore, Abrams, Capasano that we're going to talk about here in a minute um, that haven't even made the majors, or even other guys that can be traded for more talent. You know, that's that's what amazes me. So yeah, you traded away Luis Patino last year. You got rid of a handful of guys that could have arguably been on a top ten, a top one hundred list, like uh, Taylor Trammell, Gabriel Arias, yeah. uh, some really good, promising players, um, and yet there's still seven guys that come out in the baseball America top 100 more the more than any other yeah. major league organization. So let's, let's go with that. Uh, so starting at number 10, Mackenzie Gore is the number 10 baseball America's top prospect. Gore battled his delivery at the alternate training site, but at his best, he's a rare talent with four swinging miss pitches and immaculate control. So this is the four out of the last five years. He's been the top left-handed pitching prospect, right? Yeah. yeah, Major League Baseball is doing their top ten prospects at each position, and yeah. and they listed him as the top lefty pr- uh, pitcher in all of baseball. Now, what I love prospect. about what I love about all these trades in in the gathering of arms is it's going to allow McKenzie to go down and start in AAA. It's going to allow right. Ryan Weathers, and we'll talk about him in a minute, to to spend a full season in minor league baseball. Like these guys. We're nowhere near polished as even as much as Ryan showed in a short stint with the get with the team. You know, they need them to be starters, not just bullpen guys. So they're going to go down to the minors, develop and get better, you know, without having to be with all the pressure of coming up. Like, all right, it's time to be the man. Well, no, right. you, know, you got five other guys that are going to be the man. You're going to come up and just be yourself and allow yourself to make the adjustments to major league hitting. Right, and to, to sidestep for a moment, you give a guy like Chris Paddock, last year he was on all the billboards yeah. and all the TV promos, and he was supposed to be the dude. And he's still young. He was barely off his rookie season, and you're putting everything on him, like, okay, you got to be our ace this year. Now that pressure is off. It's a different kind of pressure because now he's got to fix himself and earn his job. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of thing that's going to motivate him well. And the same thing for all of these guys. So Gore, Weathers, Morihon, they all know that they have an opportunity to crack the big leagues. And if they do well enough, they're going to stick, but they've got to earn it. Yeah. It's no longer, oh, he's our top prospect, so you got to give him learn to, room to learn. Right. No, they need to earn this spot because there's a whole bunch of other guys that will take it. Yeah, you know, and so I think when they get invited to spring training this year, obviously they're going to spend the whole time with the big league club, just soak up more information, get, you know, get the big league direction and and, uh, and coaching, and then be sent out to the affiliates. And let's watch some MILB TV, man. So yeah. moving on, uh, number 11 on Baseball America's list is C.J. Abrams, a dynamic athlete. He hit 401 in the AZL in his pro debut Abrams has the making of a future star on both sides of the ball. So that dangerous speed also works on you know, the base pass and shortstop. 
Right. And people seem to have more confidence now that he's going to stick at shortstop. This time a year ago, they were saying that, well, his arm slot and throwing the off balance throws, he doesn't, you know, people weren't certain that he was going to stick. They thought maybe he'd slide over to second. Maybe he'd wind up in center field. Um, and I know already people are looking at, well, you got Machado, you've got you've got uh, Tatis. Now you've got Cronenworth and Kim that are going to battle it out for second base. Where is he going to play? Don't worry about that stuff now. Let let Abram stick at shortstop yeah. as long as he wants. They're probably going to move everybody around a little bit this year, so he'll see some time at third, at second, maybe left field, center field. You know, play a few games out there. But he's a shortstop until there's a need to move him off there. And that's great because you can allow him to develop slowly. It's no the thrust him into the to the major leagues in two years. He's too at. At, at a fast pace, he's two years away. I mean, Preller does push these guys pretty back, pretty pretty quickly. Um, but with a team like we have, we don't need to. And in the end, what happens if Taddy gets hurt, you know, in two years and Abrams is knocking on the door? Um, yeah, I, I could. If you squint the right way, I could see if if things go a certain way and there's an opening on the major league roster. He had a really good year. We're at the end of the season, and you need that speedster who's the pinch runner who can play a little bit of shortstop, maybe go play a little bit of center field, like what Mateo was for the Padres last year. Absolutely, I I could see Abrams cracking the roster by the end of this year, but it's unlikely. I yeah. think he gets a cup of coffee in 2022, and then 2023 is the year when he has a chance to get some serious playing time moving on number 36 catcher louise campusano <laughs> i love campy uh, legal troubles in georgia cloud this his status but on the on uh, on the field campusano is one of the best young catchers in the game and i i love the little cup of sip of coffee god the sip of tea a cup of coffee that he got just get mm-hmm. these guys up just get them in the dugout and take that pressure off and you know getting his first home run uh, I'm sure the legal troubles will will take care of itself, um, and have him down in the minors. He, 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 I don't think he should touch the major league roster. Have him play in Double A, a full season in Double A, make it to Triple A, or maybe have him start in Triple A, you know, and be Mackenzie Gore's catcher because he's been Mackenzie Gore's catcher pretty much throughout the whole his minor league season. Or his, well, and that's career. that's. That's the other pickup that that we glossed over earlier was Victor Caratini, who came in the U Darvish trade. So now the Padres have two legit catchers on the major league roster, and there isn't that pressure for him to have to perform right away. Yeah. Moving on, number seventy-six, left-handed pitcher Adrian Morahone. He has struggled in the big leagues, but is still young and has three potentially plus pitches. I wanted to see him pushed a little bit last year. They only gave him 40 or 50 pitches, and sure, it barely got him through the third inning. Maybe once he got to the fourth inning, um, and he showed flashes of absolute dominance. And I think a full, you know, I really think a full season in, in AAA and the Pacific Coast League will do him wonders to kind of refine his mechanics, refine his pitch mix. And once again, he when he comes up, he doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all. Well, so you mentioned AAA, and now that the Padres have moved their AA affiliate back to San Antonio, I wonder if we're going to see, you know, for a while it seemed like the pitchers would come up to AA and then they'd just float there. And they were using AAA differently because of the launch pad conditions <laughs> of the fields. And then also the ball that they started using in 2019, uh, Amarillo the wind howls in Amarillo. It, the, the ballpark plays small. So there was one game when Gore got lit up and it was like a 15 mile an hour wind at when it's in a hundred degrees when the game started, yeah. you're not going to see that as much in San Antonio. So I wonder if we might see guys like Morahone and Gore just go to work in, in San Antonio and then come straight up from there. But anyway, that's beside the point. Well, I'm curious how stretched out he's going to get. And there there's a reason why they do the things that they do. So he was held to a strict pitch count limit for a reason. It must have had something to do with conditioning, preparation, whatever. So hopefully now in his, what, his fourth year as a pro with the Padres, hopefully this year he can finally get that back on track. Yeah, and we always forgot that every, you know, every two starts he was he was going on the injured list, you know, the shoulder problem. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, with the, with the pitch limit, just kind of get, get, get your feet wet, set set what you, you know, your own expectations. Of, okay, this is the major leagues. This is what you need to do. This is how far you need to go to be what we expect of you. And that's mm-hmm. a, a top-of-the-rotation guy. I, ironically enough, recently signed Ha Sung Kim as number 70, 78. 
on the top prospect list because he has not played one inning of Major League Baseball. So how, how it works, to be a prospect, you need, I think, uh, in pitching, you need at least 50 innings, uh, 50 innings as a pitcher and 130 at-bats, excuse me, as, um, as a prospect to be considered from a prospect into actually a rookie. Yeah, well, then there's also a limit on roster, uh, how long you're on the active roster. Okay. And so there are a couple of guys here, um, Adrian Morahone and uh, uh, Bias. Michelle Bias isn't, he didn't make the top 100, but he's another player that Baseball America doesn't consider the service time, but MLB does. So Morahone and Bias wouldn't be eligible for the rookie of the year in 2021, uh, but Baseball America still considers them prospects, quote unquote. Yeah. I totally forgot about Michelle Baez. <laughs> yeah. But with Ha Sung Kim, okay, yeah, so Ha Sung Kim hasn't played a lick of pro ball in the States, but he's played seven full seasons in Korea. Yeah. So he has some experience as a pro ball player, just not in the United States. Yeah. He's seen advanced breaking balls. There's the the questions he needs to answer are his ability to play major league level defense and his ability to handle the the extreme velocity that you see in the majors. Yeah. Is in Korea there might be a handful of guys that are over 95. Here it seems like 95% of the guys are throwing that fast. Yeah. And they've all got wicked breaking stuff and they know how to set you up and they know how to locate. Uh, but he's a contact-oriented pitcher. He doesn't strike out a ton. He draws a ton of walks, good plate discipline. I mean, all the stuff stacks up that this guy should be successful. It's just a matter – in my opinion, it's just a matter of time of him getting comfortable, getting his legs under him. So I'm curious to see where he plays and how much he plays. He's a right-handed hitter. You got Cronenworth as a left-handed hitter. It would seem like a natural platoon split yeah. at, at at second base. Um and then you also have opportunities to move him around if they want to give Machado or Tatis a break because he's played third base and sh- primarily shortstop in Korea. But, I mean, what an interesting dude and yeah. I, the, the the best international position player to come over, Yeah, pro or amateur. Best Korean ball player. Uh, this year. This year. I thought forever. But, you know, and it's the same thing of when Otani was on all those prospect lists because he hadn't played any of Major League Baseball. Like, okay. All right. Yeah, he was just fine. It's just semantics, I think, the word is I'm looking for there. Mm-hmm. But moving on, friend of the podcast and number 84 is left-handed pitcher Ryan Weathers, the Weathers Report. We've got to get that hashtag going, Weathers Report, baby. <laughs> uh, Weathers, who made his Major League debut in the postseason, could bring a three-pitch arsenal to the middle of the rotation. Now, if you read Dennis Lynn, if you read you know, A.J. Casavell, they mentioned, both those guys mentioned that he could be in the bullpen I once again I don't see it. They want they want him, they want Gore, they want Morhone to be starters. So I think you know at the very least Weathers and Gore are going to be in the minors and Morhone may work himself up to a starter, but I I wouldn't see why not. Why not have those guys start Triple A or in Double A like we talked about and just be a beast of a rotation in one of the lower affiliates. Well, and the Padres also have a really really loaded bullpen right now. I mean, stuff happens. Last year, right. you lost Munoz, you lost Wingenter to injury as we were getting getting ready. But right now, um, I've got roster resource up, and there there are a bunch of guys that don't have minor league options. So either they're sticking on the major league roster, or the team has to move them. Pierce Johnson, Austin Adams, Javi Guerra, uh, Dan Altavilla, and um, Taylor Williams. Those guys all have no minor league options. And then on top of that, you've got you know, Pomeranz and Pagan and, yeah. and Jose Castillo and all of these just dominant relievers. So I don't see a need to to force somebody like Morahone or Weathers into a relief role when that's not their long-term home. That's right. not, from a player development standpoint, that's not who you want those guys to be. And now, last year, they needed all the, all the available arms they could get at the yeah. end of the year. This year, there's so much more depth, both on the, on the 40-man roster and off the 40-man roster, that they don't need to push these guys. They don't need to fit a square yeah. peg into a round hole. Absolutely. And and that's it's just going to make the team better in the future, letting those guys go down there, marinate a while, Learn how to pitch. Learn, learn to do what it you know. Do what it takes to get to the major leagues, like you said. Earn their way up here. But last is number eighty-four, and certainly not least is Robert Hassel the third. 
The top outfielder in the Padres system, Hassel has a chance to be a plus hitter with average power in center field. Now, not everyone needs to be a home run hitter that plays in the outfield. If he hits, you know, if he, if he develops and he comes up and, you know, is a high on base guy, is a high um, you know, high average, or I still, I still go by average, you know, if he's still going to hit 270, 280, 285, you know, maybe 10, 15 dingers, maybe runs into 20, you know, that's, that's, that's a major league player. Well, Trent Grisham wasn't supposed to hit for power. Absolutely. Uh, Jake Cronenworth wasn't supposed to be a power hitter. And then those guys come up and all of a sudden they've got enough thump to put him in the, in the second row. Yeah. So I, it's, it's, he's, he's straight out of high school. He still hasn't played his first game in affiliate ball. So you don't, I guess you look at the guy's frame and how much bulk you think he can put on and the, the swing mechanics. There are things about the mechanics that, so he's got a contact oriented swing, but there's so much power that these guys can develop. And it seems yeah. like when they make that step up to the majors with the ball that they're using and all of that, you know, you don't need to have a lot of pop to put it out anymore. Nope. Just need to get the bat on the ball and let the pitcher do the rest. Yep. And he knows how to do that already, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So that rounds out the top seven of the baseball 100. Um, still lots. I mean, God, still just tons of talent and tons of room to grow. Lots to look forward to in the future. Um, dude, we're looking pretty good. The Padres are looking really good, not only at the major league level, but on the minor league level. And once the minor league season starts going, you know, those guys that we don't have on this list, you know, the guys that, that we don't, we're not talking about now are going to pop up and, and, and get better. So we'll see how that goes as the season goes on. Yeah. But in the meantime, you know, nobody told me that <laughs> there'd be days like these. Yes. It's struggling over in Dodger town. So finish what you got. Dun, 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 dun. We're coming for you, Dodgers. Yes. So Where, next... where's Zach Mann to make that new video? <laughs> so next week we have in line to have Emily Walden come on from The Athletic. We're going to talk about how her COVID of discontent has been and uh, you know, talk about the trade of Luis Patino and uh, whatever else we have going on with her, see how she is. Yeah, I, I'm curious to know if she's been in touch with Luis, and I'm I'm sure he's excited for a new opportunity. It's it's rough for us to see him go. Uh, I hope the folks in Tampa Bay appreciate him the way that that we did. Absolutely, and you know she's going to be the high A Midwest League uh, insider come next season. So you know she was A ball. You know the Tinkouts were A ball last season. Now they're going to be high A. So we'll be able to pass off some of these guys uh, to her <laughs> over in. In Fort Wayne. You know, that's that's a good point. We were looking to her for some insider information. Yeah. She we, we unofficially called her our Friar Insider. Yeah. And uh, now it's going to be the other way around. She's going to be looking to us for tips. Okay, who's doing what over at the storm so she knows who to look, you know, what to look for when these guys show up in Fort Wayne. Yeah, I'm really excited about the, you know, uh, the uh, the storm becoming the A-ball affiliate getting up there. We're going to need to reach out to those guys and say hi. Anyways, uh, that's about it. Till next time, you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Go Padres. Let's go Padres. Yeah.